This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Or in the case of Thursdays, it would be uh, Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist, and Zolgad, Conduits of Trouble is the show, and uh, Chip Scoggins. So you had the pleasure of taking in Vikings-Texans. <laughs> Bill O'Brien's last game as GM coach and play caller of the Texans. Take me through what that experience was like of watching a team actively try to get its coach fired and, congratulations, succeeding. It felt like, Judd, um, the Green Bay game with Chile to me, mm-hmm. where it's like it's like the point of no return, right? And it's funny, uh, my college roommate lives in Houston. I saw him on Saturday, and and after the game, I texted him. I said, I think they're going to fire that guy. I said, I would fire him. He's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know the can. He's GM and all that. But it just felt like the point of no return, didn't it? I mean, the way the body language was, the yes. quarterback, who's the franchise quarterback, looked just completely lost. Yep. Um, and I tweeted during game, and other people too, it's like, what the hell has happened to Deshaun Watson? You know? I think he and, looked miserable, Chip. Like, I, I don't, I think he's fine. I just don't, I just think that they had become so dysfunctional that he looked like they were for lack of a better term, ruining him, which was a shame to watch. Yeah, and and it, well, because there were throws that looked like they should have been routine throws. And the other part of it was like, why would he run more? You know, there were times where he looked like he could tuck it and run and get a first down, but he just he looked like he had no clue what to do. And so, you know, I assume there's some kind of issue going on with him and the coach. But it, it just felt like. Go back to whatever year that was when Childress got fired, the, the Green Bay game, where it just felt like this is not sustainable, right? There's going to be a change coming. You can just feel it, body language, you know, what little fans they had in there. I think they had 13,000. They're booing. They booed them like four different times. And, you know, obviously it's harder when the coach is the GM, which should never happen in pro sports anymore. Ever. Remember, Remember that was Amen. the best thing going, and now it's like, you know, what was the old thing? Well, if I'm cooking, I want to do the shopping, too. It's like, no, that's not how it should work. <laughs> you know, so um, I know it's more difficult when, you you know, you have one guy holding both roles, but I, I don't think they could go forward at this point. When we covered uh, Brad here, and, and he didn't have the GM title, but he did have the final say on the 53-man roster chip, mm-hmm. that's the first time I realized exactly how, how much that was to bite off. And also the other thing that's so important and the reason why I agree with you and it should not happen ever where you get the dual role now is you can't be the player's boss and their coach. They are not going to, 
if you are the GM and you are the guy who cuts their friends and who slashes their salaries, they are not going to give you an ounce of work that they don't want to. There's no way to rally them to you. No, I mean, there has to be a separation of church and state, right? I mean, because for one, a coach is always going to do whatever it takes to win now. Because they're trying to save his job, right? You know, I mean, that's just... Now, if the GM, you know, he's probably not going to fire himself, but um, but they, you know, they're they're charged with trying to win now. Whereas the GM has to look at both. I mean, right. you have to think about the future. Um, obviously, you're trying to win now, but you also have to look at, um, you know, just a salary cap situation for three years down the line, where a coach is not thinking about that, right? He's thinking about this week, and and you're right. Think about like particularly in NFL, how often they make players take pay cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or in a, you know, and you just you can't have a coach doing that and think that you're going to be able to get the best out of those players. You're absolutely 100 percent correct on that. So with, with the um, with the realization that the Texans didn't exactly give their all in that game, what do you take away from the Vikings first win? Well, and the scary thing, it came down to the last play, too. And now they still would have to, you know, get the two pointer. But it was, you know, it it wasn't like they. I don't think they got the Texans' best punch. Um, no, nope. but 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 there were there were obviously the offense. Um, you have something that works now, right? I mean, if you got to feed Dalvin, and the rookie wide receiver looks just like a star, you know, um, he is the thing that, that I didn't know about him. Judd was he's not just a slot guy. He's not just outside. He, he can catch and run. He can go deep. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's very versatile, and so. Uh, I think that's, you know, I still have concerns about the offensive line, but, but you know, it makes sense now. When you got Dalvin opened it up, thanks for him and Thielen, for Jefferson and Thielen. Defensively, man, they're just, you know, I, it just feels like patchwork at this point, right? I mean, I, it, it could be a long night, Sunday night in Seattle, because you're just, I think I keep saying this every week, but you're playing guys that probably shouldn't be playing. It, you know, yeah. either by either by youth or by injury or by circumstance with Michael Pierce. And so, you know, I think they, they showed some improvement, but, you know, they they still give up the big plays. Um, there's a couple, you know, this week, and I think that's just something you're going to have to live with. And now we'll see how they handle Russell Wilson. But, um, you know, it could be a long night for that defense on Sunday. Absolutely. The, the only thing, Chip Scoggins, that I honestly care about in the course of the 2020 season defensively that, that I deeply care about is do Gladney and Dantzler improve? Yes. And if they and improve, I, because you know what? The interior of that line is going to get blown up. My guess is, hopefully for his sake, Hunter comes back at left end in 21, right? Barr mm-hmm. comes back. Um, but if those, if you can get those, those two in particular cornerbacks stabilized and on the right track, I think that has to be mission A, B, and C for this defense this season. Yeah, and you know, obviously Gladney gave up the one bomb down to the eight yard line, but I actually thought he made some really nice plays. You know, I think he did. I think there were some times where he thought, okay, you see improvement here, and that's what this is going to be. I mean, it's going to be growing pains. I mean, think about like for him and Dantzler, your first five games in the NFL, they're what one and three that you're going to face Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Russell, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean that's right. That's no small task, you know, and so. There's no way to to uh, circumvent what they're going to have to go through, right? They're just going to have to learn on the job, and there'll be times where they look good and times where they they get beat. And I think 
you sort of just have to live with it, right? I mean, what's... Oh, absolutely. No, 100%. You're exactly I mean, right. It, it's just, it, 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 you know, it's not ideal, but um, this is their situation. And so, you, you know, you can throw your hands up all you want, but they're rookies going against, you know, the best quarterbacks in, in you know, in some cases ever with Aaron Rodgers. And so... Um, they're going to get picked on and they're going to, you know, they're going to face really good receivers that are tough matchups. And so, um, but yeah, I agree with you to me, like on defensively, that's what you're looking at. Like mm-hmm. how are those? And, and, and also you have to make a determination on Ngakwe, Judd. Right. True. Yes. I do. mean, cause he's going to, I mean, there's a bill coming due and you have to decide, uh, I assume he'll want to stay here, but I mean, there's no, what's his market going to be, you know, I mean, he's going to want to big. here's deal. my question off, off that question. And we do not know the answer to this. And right or wrong, we've been misled the entire time. Daniil Hunter's neck. Like, are we talking about a set? Like, we're, again, to to go back to our original conversation on this, Chip, you know, there's never been a, oh, it's just a neck problem. If you can't play for an extended period of time, it, it puts your career at least in question and jeopardy. And so in making the decision in on Ngakwe, I also have to ask, is Hunter back opening day of 21? Is this a work in progress? Is there a surgical procedure that's going to be required? And so I guess how I'm weighing him comes back to that question about what they know internally about Hunter's future, which I hope is fine, but I think it's foolish to assume it's fine. Yeah, well, I'm at the point where I'll be surprised if he plays this year. Agreed. Um, Now, is it... Beyond that, I don't know that this is a career-ending thing or anything like that, or career-threatening even. But 2020, I think, is probably um, you know if you look at the reports and weigh in, you know, surgery versus not surgery, and just look at where the team is at. I mean, if you're two and seven, you're not bringing him back. You know, I mean, nope. it doesn't make sense. And so, um, but I, I don't, I don't, yeah, they're, clearly they're not going to be transparent with us about what how serious it is, but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, if it was lingers into next year, you have to bring Ngakwe back. But I think it's more a salary cap thing, right? I mean, what? How much is he going to command? You know, oh, that's a good deal. Um, yep. I assume he's, you know, and then, you know, Daniil's not exactly the highest paid defense end in the, you know, NFL either. You're going to have to address his situation at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, after he misses, if he misses the entire year, maybe you don't. But. Um, you know, there's already talk about he was based on last year that he was underpaid for his contract. So, uh, yeah, some interesting decisions on what they're, how they're going to handle that one. Jefferson's play so far to me, uh, Chip, has been outstanding. And I would also I would make the case that among immediate impact positions in all of sports, if you are a receiver and you are just damn good, mm-hmm. that that you can influence and impact games pretty much from. Day one. I mean, at cornerback, it's going to take time. Like, there is yeah. no way that I, I would say, Jeff Gladney might be a bust. No, Je- this is going to take a year or so, or perhaps more, and he could turn into a Pro Bowl player, and he could be outstanding for, you know, five years, six years. Mm-hmm. But I think if we go through all of sports and positions that guys can step in on day one, and you say to yourself, oh, wow, receiver is definitely one. And everything that Jefferson has done in the past two games to me has been, oh, wow, this guy this guy is going to be damn good unless he gets hurt at some point. 
And think about this, Judd. Does this not remind you, remember Percy's rookie year when we watched training camp and you just said, he's different. Like, this guy's good. Like, he's going to be really good this year. Like, he's going to help. He's just that athletically gifted. Um, You sort of felt like that watching, and I wasn't out training camp a lot, but the day I was out there and just hearing reports about Jefferson, he just looks different, right? I mean, he, he just, he's smooth route runner, athletic, all the, you know, all the tangibles. And so, um, yeah, there is a learning curve, but you also know if a guy's just that physically gifted and that smooth, he's probably going to make a significant impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I didn't know that he would be, you know, have the most 20-yard receptions in the NFL already, and he's already at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think he's second in yards per catch at 21. Um behind Metcalf uh, from Seattle. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just – you all the buzz you heard about him in, in training camp, you just in, – in, yeah, it's training camp, but you just felt like, all right, this guy is going to – once they get him comfortable or in, you know, whatever happened the first two weeks, I have no idea. But um, Malpractice is, is what happened, yeah. I think, Chip. <laughs> I think it's very simple. Malpractice between Coobs uh, and uh, probably to a certain point, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but do you think there was like – it's just so weird because it was dramatic, like from basically a bystander doing nothing to, holy cow, he has 175 yards or whatever, and then last like throwing the ball. I mean, I, I know if, if somebody went. Well, how about said, Kirk's hey. quote? How how about Kirk's quote uh, post game after the Texans game about yeah, this guy can play. No kidding, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, I figured that out myself too. And and by the way. The, the whole thing, like in week one, about where's Thielen? Where, where's my guy? Where's my guy? Yeah. Adam Thielen is a very solid, good player, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. he is now also going on his second receiving teammate, Diggs first, and now Jefferson, who absolutely positively elevates his game, too, because, mm-hmm. because now you, you can't, if you are the Seahawks or the Falcons, in the game after that, you can't sit there and be like, okay, if we stop 19, we stop the Vikings. Because now Jefferson is the threat, so guess what? Thielen's now open. But that Cousins quote sort of drove me crazy in the sense of, this isn't your place to say, I'm the veteran, this kid can play. You should say, I get down on my knees at night and thank God we drafted him (laughs) because he's that good in my opinion. Well, and think about that, Judd, that he was – that quote came about because of that back shoulder throw. And just think about the two components of that. So it's third and six. You're up seven in the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. Um, so kind of a defining moment in that game, right? Um, not only does he go to his rookie, he throws a back shoulder throw, which they never practiced. So, I mean, just just think about that. It's like they never practiced that throw. And, oh, by the way, in that critical situation game, I'm going to my rookie. I mean, it speaks volumes about – you know, the trust or whatever, just the belief he has in, in, in Jefferson to make a play there, to put the ball there, and he, he just made it look routine. And that's the other thing, Judd. Think about how many, how many of his catches have been contested. Where This is the key he, thing. A guy's draped all over him. And yes. I think that's something that that's, um, some guys just have and some guys don't have, right? Yes. I mean, the ability, like when a guy's – there was another play earlier in the game where he – Broke in and then it was a double move and then broke out and the guy pulls on his jersey. You can see it on the replay. The guy's yanking from behind his jersey and he still gets separation. It's like that to me is like a pretty special quality for a receiver. So you know, it, and I think he has it. Explain this then. 
How on how on the the last offensive play in week three against the Titans, where the ball goes to on basically what amounts to a hail mary pass to Thielen, Ooh. right? How does that ball not go to Jefferson? Like that he's customized, he's built to make that play. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's the thing is it's a little bit mysterious to me because it's not it's not like uh, Diggs is still here and oh they got this third guy named Jefferson and he might be good too. No, this guy's got a skill set that's extremely special. And so that pass to me if you are going to make what amounts to a desperation pass there's yeah. one guy on this team right now who gets that ball. It's Jefferson. I, I don't have, you know, Thielen has shown he's made some pretty, uh, you know, I don't know if miraculous, but just really difficult catches to make two in traffic. So I, I don't have as much problem with that as you do. But I, I do think, how many times was he targeted Sunday, Jefferson? It wasn't, I mean, he made four catches, but how many times was he actually targeted? I mean, I think he needs to be targeted like, seven, eight, nine, ten times a game, you know. I'm with um, you. And same thing with Thielen. And, you know, the one guy is, it, that I thought would make a big leap this year that's getting left behind is Irv Smith. He's had just a, you know, terrible start to the season. I don't understand um, that with one. With penalties. Um, I thought he'd make a big jump this year. It hasn't happened, obviously. But um, yes. I'm fine with, with really just trying to force feed those two guys, you know. Jefferson, let's see here. I, I've got the game book called up. Jefferson had uh, five targets, four catches. Yeah, you almost need to times two that. <laughs> and <laughs> Thielen was ten targets, eight catches for one fourteen, and the touchdown. But I will say this: How many touches did Dalvin get? He had a lot. He had like twenty nine touches. Twenty right? so seven uh, rushing attempts and two, and two catches. Yes, sir. So that so that's a big number for him. So you know. If if you're able to run the ball and get Dalvin, I don't think he's going to get 29, 30 touches every game. Do you? I'm going to make. I'm going to give you a statement that I believe to be true, but not advisable. So it's it's a hot take, but I'm not going to tell you that I would do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think if you are the 2020 Vikings, and it's very clear that at this point in time, if you are going to win games, it's going to be outscoring teams. You, your defense just yeah. can't stop teams, which is, I mean, it just can't. It's not like yeah. a debatable uh, thing. Yes, 100%. I think to win games, to put together the right formula, which is Delvin, Jefferson, Thielen, probably a little bit more from the tight ends, too, because in the first four games or so, they've been darn near non-existent. I think Delvin needs to average, and keep in mind, I'm not backing this up by saying it's smart, okay? I think Delvin in 2020 needs to average approximately 25 to 30 touches per game. Mm -hmm. But let me back up from that by saying that's to win games. It's not advisable because I would say I would give him those carries next year, but I do think that the next two years are going to tax him a lot. Um, But I just, and, but this is the interesting thing about what I just said is this is the conversation, the nuanced conversation about that word tanking. Nobody tanks. Like nobody says, well, the Texans might have on Sunday, but nobody says we want to lose games, but decisions do. I either help you win games in years where you might not be that good, or mm-hmm. or you lose games but you save something. So I think Dalvin needs to touch the ball approximately thirty times per game to assure yourself wins consistently. That being said, that's probably not the advisable way. Yeah, it's interesting. You you have a great point because do you want to drive the wheels off the car in a lost season and 
we've seen it when running backs get overworked. Um, you know, are they going to be the same guys three years from now? If you know, if you have a high carry total, and um, you know, let's say this team wins whatever five games, you know, six games, and he has a huge number of carries, uh, will that affect next year? And it, you know, a lot of it's on him. The, he talked about it yesterday. I was on a Zoom or uh, the other day where um, the just the uh, wear and tear, and he asked how he felt. You know, he said Monday, you know, you wake up, you're like, whoa, you know, that's <laughs> what happened after having 29 touches. And so um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, but but Dalvin's a competitor, Judd. I mean, you paid him this money, you're going to have to use him, right? I Absolutely, mean, yes. And the blueprint is not going to change. I mean, they're not. this is how they're going to win. And I think you just – you. You pl- and and Zimmer and them are not going to look at this and say, you know what, let's think about two years from now. Let's not let's ease up on his workload at least right now. Now, if you get to week twelve and thirteen, and it's you know you the season's a lost cause, maybe they tweak their philosophy there and, and spread it around more with Madison. But I think they're still in that. Hey, we got to win and salvage the season mode. And on Cook, I do think that I- I'm fine with basically um, using him up over the next two years because I think it's going to end quickly. So if you use him, you know, a lot this year and especially because I think that you can be competitive next year, not great, but competitive. Um, That's fine too, because these guys at that spot, running backs have expiration dates. I mean, they, they just do. And look, Adrian can play as long as he wants, but the greatness that we once saw now is long gone. Mm-hmm. So so I am all for basically saying Dalvin Cook is going to touch the ball a ton this year and next. But I just come back to it's also a decision because I think the only formula that's going to probably get you some wins that ultimately people will regret this year for the Vikings is the formula of Jefferson, Cook, Thielen, and we basically try and score, pick a number, yeah. 35 yeah, 30, points. Yeah, you got to get that. You gotta, it's got to be plus 30, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree that uh, that's what I'm saying. Is like these guys only have so many carries in them. And, but I don't know how you tell Dalvin that, you know. I mean, he is such a competitor. And same thing with Zimmer, that, you know, that hey, we're gonna try to preserve you for next year or two years from now. But I mean, I'm t- I'm ta- I'm talking to win games. I'm talking a record amount of touches. Like I think he needs the ball that much. Well, which is probably not again real smart. Yeah, and and the only the only way they, that they don't is this team is built to play with a lead, you know. And if if they if they're at least the offense, the defense, that's the problem. Is like we saw in the first couple games. If they find, if they fall behind early, you're, you're just passing it. You know, Cousins is going to throw it 50 times, so that will reduce Cook's workload there. So I, I don't doubt that there's going to be a few of those games, Judd, where they're just trying to, you know, play catch up by throwing the ball the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that kind of organically will <laughs> will take some of his carries away. Um, I mean, there's there's just some teams that are going to be overmatched again. Uh, their offense or their defense against the offense and this week might be one of them. You know. And so, but um, yes. yeah, I, the, their their blueprint's right. Is is, is I think it's pretty obvious. 
Dalvin about 28 to 30 carries and then a lot of catches for, for Cleveland and, and Jefferson. And so, but they're going to have to score 30. I wrote this last week. It's like Zimmer's, I, his dream is 13 to 10 games, right? 13 oh, yeah. Games. Oh, yeah. It's a couple, that a that safety that mixed happening. in too. 11. Yeah, yeah. That ain't happening. 11 nine. And John, look at the, uh, I mean, our friend Seaford had another thing this week that scoring's up, you know, dramatically. Yep. Uh, 20, I think it's 20, basically 25 points a game on average per team. Um, and the theory is, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, they're just not calling holding penalties. And so teams aren't in those. I mean, think about how many drives get get doomed because of a holding penalty, whether it's first and 20, you just can't overcome it. Well, if you're calling 50% less holding penalties, those, those drives are going to turn into points. And so it's having a huge impact. And also, uh, he found out there's a lot more defensive pass interference penalties, too. So it's kind of a double whammy. God bless them for not calling holding. I am so happy that we are no longer having holding being a point of emphasis because I got so tired of seeing every big play called back because some left guard grabbed the guy at the last second. And it had no bearing on the play. Yes, exactly right. Hey, what what's your theory about the tight ends? Where are they? I don't know because that was a Kubiak thing, right? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, you know, the the Rudolph one doesn't surprise me. I figured as he gets older, he's going to be more of a red zone guy. You know, get the occasional touchdown. The, the Irv Smith one really, I, I I'm not sure what's going on there. I thought he showed flashes last year to where you felt like okay, he's going to be have a pretty integral part of the offense this year. And it's just not happened at all. So I I don't know. Um, but like, is he doing do something wrong? Is he doing something wrong? Has he? Well, he has he not? Penalties early that probably didn't. You know, but that isn't. I don't think they're icing him out because of that. So I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would probably do more digging on it. But I don't get it. Do you have a theory? I, I don't really no. know what. No what zero. The don't know. Because didn't you think Smith would take a big jump this year? I thought he'd be a Pro Bowl player, Chip. Yes, I thought he'd be great. I, yeah. I am I am completely confused as to why a, a guy who should be an outlet for short passes and sort of boat borders on that tight end receiver tag, right? Like he's sure. yeah. he can make moves, he's got some speed. I don't get it. That that one has has me confused. But just across the board for the Vikings, uh the tight end catches and targets are just not there. And so yeah, it's it's the most mysterious thing to me. Because I thought that Irv Smith and the tight ends would prove to be an outlet of sort for Cousins yes. when the pressure came and things like mm-hmm. that. And through, what, four games now? It's, they've been a non-factor. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle had that nice catch, but that yeah. was almost a desperation heave by Kirk. But just as far as being in the game plan, it's mm-hmm. sort of like they're not, which to circle back to your point, is really weird because we all thought, well, that's part of Gary's thing. Yeah, and and... Um, I it, I don't know how many targets that Irv Smith has, but it, it can't be more than a handful, you know. And he's had some really bad penalties, and so I don't know if it's just a trust thing or if it's um, you know, they're just going elsewhere with it. But you seem like like that would be Cousins' best friend when protection breaks down. Um. That he'd be able to dump it off, you know. Yes. Short passes to those guys, and and you know, maybe it'll come eventually because I, you would think that it would because I I just think Irv Smith athletically, like you, you mentioned, that kind of that hybrid in between, 
your traditional tight end and a, and a wide receiver that um, with his speed and athleticism that he he would offer a, a you know a definite component to this offense, but it's just it's not happening. So I, I don't I don't know what the maybe we should ask you know maybe that'd be a good question for Kubiak at some point. Like, well, what's going on here? You know, why are these guys catching any balls? Chip Scoggins' prediction uh, for Sunday's game, and more importantly than a winner, because I'm guessing I know who that's going to be, give me a final score between two defenses that can't stop a soul and have pretty good offenses. Yeah, obviously I'm going to pick Seattle. Um, someone, I was on the Vikings conference call today, and one of the coaches said he thinks it's going to be cold and rainy out there. Um, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe that keeps it down a little, but I, I think – um, I think Seattle's going to be in the 30s. Uh, I can see the Vikings being in the high 20s. 30. I just think this is how most of their games are going to go, Judd. I, I, you know, I, Zimmer I has to hate this, right? Oh, I'm sure. Every second of this, he just has <laughs> to hate. Crazy. Well, it's like, you know, you think they're playing, playing well, playing well, and then all of a sudden, you know, Deshaun Watson finds Fuller for a 45-yard pass, and it's like they're down at the eight. Now, they did hold him to the field goal there, so that was promising, but it's like <laughs> it just so – honestly, with these young – with the guys that they have in there, Judd, and the young rookies, aren't you just kind of always waiting for that big play to happen? Because you know it's common. It's, yes. it's like they're going to have this at some point in the game, one, two, three, however many times, where there's going to be a bust or, a, or you know, the guy just gets beat or whatever. You're just kind of anticipating the other team having a big play. Um so I, I I think it's if the weather is not just horrendous, which um, I I didn't check it. Like I said, one of the coaches said that. But if it's not horrendous, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it'll be, you know, I think Seattle will win. You know, it, I think, the the one thing I'm curious of, Judd, mm-hmm. is you know you're you're eliminating the home field advantage with the noise. So that shouldn't have you know that should help some. I'm not saying they're going to win, but it, the offense should be able to function a lot easier than it has in past when they've gone out there and they just had nightmare times trying to deal with the you know the noise um so that shouldn't be an issue so um but i I could see seattle winning comfortably the texans didn't care and they almost won so yeah i think they didn't care until late when they you know they made a couple big plays and they're like hey we can win this game you know (laughs) yeah because it's the vikings defense (laughs) which is sad all right sir thank you chip scoggins talk to you next week okay all right brother we'll see you all right talk to you later bye chip scoggins zolgad conduits of trouble whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.